What do CEOs need to know about sales these days? A lot. Outdated sales strategies and tactics plague most companies today. Listen to what innovative CEOs and experts have to say about how to change all that with Sales Talk for CEOs. Many companies with a complex sale sell through the channel. So it's something I've had to become very familiar with over the time that I have been a strategist for CEOs. And I am excited today because we have someone who literally quit her job and started a new company that was all about partners, how to work with partners uh, transparently, how to sell through the channel, and how to just make it easy and seamless for everybody so the sales just keep flowing. So I'm very excited to have Cassandra on the show today. She is the CEO of PartnerTap. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Alice. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I hear you're in sunny Arizona and it's probably pretty hot there right now. Yes. About a hundred degrees outside. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I think as we were talking earlier, I have a brother that lives there and the weather's nice most of the year, but then the summer comes, right? And right. it's hot. Yes. My goodness. So you have your business there in Phoenix and, um, you started that business about six years ago, and I want to hear how you decided to just quit your job and start a company. Yeah, so I was in software sales um, for for many many years prior to founding PartnerTap. I worked at um, SAP Concur and and ADP, um, and my co-founder also worked at those companies with me, uh, Autumn Grimm, who's our chief revenue officer. So being in software sales, I co consistently worked with partners. My largest deals were always referred from partners. And one of the hardest things to do when I was working with those partners was figure out, um, you know, what accounts we should be working together, where, where do we overlap? And so every time we would go on to these partner meetings, it was you show me your spreadsheet and you're flipping spreadsheets back and forth. And I thought, you know, there must be a system that just connects us all right. um, and, and allows us to know who we should be working with. So I looked on the Salesforce app exchange, couldn't find anything. And that's when I started studying the market and realized, hey, there's a huge white space here. Um, and we built a company around it. Fast forward six years later, we're working with some of the largest companies, Hewlett Packard Enterprises, uh, ADP, SAP, uh, Lumen, uh, Genesis, all customers of PartnerTap. That is fantastic. So tell us exactly what does PartnerTap do? What did you design it to do that you, you said you found this gap in the marketplace? Mm -hmm. So what PartnerTap does at its core is we're a data sharing application where two companies can securely share CRM data together. And um, we automate the account mapping and pipeline sharing between these organizations. We have a sales module, we have a channel module, we have, we have um, an, an admin module. And, and everything that we're building is to help these companies drive more revenue with partners, whether it's co-selling or selling through partners or selling with partners. And this works with Salesforce.com? 
yes, we work with all the large CRMs and we even have some smaller CRMs that we work with. Oh, that's amazing. So anybody who sells through the channel Mm -hmm. (laughs) knows how hard it is to keep track of all of this. I have several clients that sell through the channel and it's always difficult to keep up with what information have we passed along? What have we not passed along? Where are we in the deal cycle? Uh, when is a good time to bring, you know, the partner in if I'm, you know, starting the sale as the, as a direct seller or for the partner, when is the time to bring the channel manager in to be the subject matter expert? It's always very confusing uh, because we're, like you said, sending spreadsheets back and forth, sending emails back and forth, trying to figure out where we are with each deal. So this sounds like a big time saver and a way to make it really transparent. Yes. PartnerTap is really helping these companies identify what they don't already know about. What accounts should we be working that we're not working? Um, So just helping these companies where, you know, when we're working inside of a deal, that's what we know. But where are all the new logos that we can go get where you might have customers or you might you might already have inroads with? That's today what companies really are using PartnerTap for, especially in this market, right? Because selling alone is really difficult. Yeah. The days of the lone wolf seller are gone. It's not even possible. And what we need is referral selling these days. We need a formal referral selling process. And that can be with our vendors. It can be with our customers referring us. And of course, with our partners, right? Making those introductions back and forth. And it's just so important because it's gotten so hard to deliver a cold message by any mechanism and get a good response rate. So we really need to get away from that. Well, okay. So this sounds fantastic. You brought it to market, but let's talk about how did that happen? So you quit your job, you you and your um, partner, your co-founder, you know, had this idea in your head, you started telling someone who could code and design, you know, so that they could build it for you. And how long did it take to start building it? And how long before you actually started selling it? Or were you still building it while you started selling? So it, it took a couple of years before we even started selling, selling the software at least two, two and a half, three years to build, to build the application. And our first customers were really large enterprises. So um, that's, that's challenging in, in itself, right? Because when you're selling to a large enterprise, you know, they're not going to keep retain your company if you're not delivering value, right? And in our application, we're delivering revenue. So we, you know, they have to show the ROI there. Um, So er, in the early days, we, you know, my co-founder and I, we just, we got out there and we, we started working with people that we knew um, to build the application. And then we also were reaching out to people that potentially would partner with us. So to actually go out and get into these companies, of course, we made tons of cold calls and LinkedIn outreaches, but in the early days, it was a lot of grind. Um, and, and to, to get, to find that champion inside the business that would take you all the way to a PO. (laughs) Right. Now, of course you were used to selling because you're probably, Mm -hmm. 
you know, one of the smaller percent of founder CEOs who has actually sold, right? So many of the, the founders that I talked to had never done any selling and learned a lot of lessons about sales along the way, but you had already been selling. So you knew what it was going to take. Like you said, the grind, contacting people, you know, trying to find partners as you knew that would be super helpful to, to get into some companies and then just doing that sales work every day, every day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot of discipline and, but the thing about a new product, right? This was a new product. It was a new category. And so that, you know, we weren't disrupting some uh, a, a software that was or an incumbent that was already there, which I think would be a lot easier to do. Um, this was this was really hard. Where you know nobody has budget for this because it's a new line item, right? Um, and it was really. I, I started to understand the difference of mercenary sales and missionary sales, and this was missionary sales. Yeah. You're going out and you're telling people there's a better way with this new technology that they've never heard of. And we'll, we do this on spreadsheets. So um, that was, that was, it was super challenging. A lot of times I think about how hard it would be if you didn't know sales, because yeah. as the founder, you have to do the early sales. You have to prove that this this can work, right? You have to prove Absolutely. it's a So, yeah, that was that was that was hard. It seems like a lifetime ago. I bet it does. Did did you uh, end up, you know, interviewing a lot of people to ask them, well, what are you doing now? How are you doing this? How does it work? Do you wish there was a better way? Like, how did that yes. go? Yes. Um, so early on, we actually went to the AWS reInvent. Um, so we went to that conference, and I think at that time there was about 400 um, people that were sponsoring the conference on the show floor. And we went to every single booth and just asked them, "How do you partner with AWS? You know, do you do data sharing with them?" And um, yeah, we we went down and 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 did that market research and and to figure out, you know, what would people pay for an application like this? So it was a lot of work. It was, it was definitely a lot of door knocking. Yeah. So smart of you though. And I, I know that when you ask people how they do things and they start explaining it and it sounds so complicated and then, you know, they start to inquire about why you're asking or, you know, the conversation goes, well, you know, we're developing something that will make it a lot easier, right? right. Then they all want to talk to you and it's easier to get a conversation started. Right, right. Yeah. Well, good. So what were the challenges that you found at that time when you were just breaking into it and there were two of you plus the people working in the background to develop everything? What were some of the challenges that you found and how, and I'm sure one of them was trying to run the company and do all the selling and, and then how did you move on from there? I think the biggest challenge was we were selling to the enterprise um, and so once you actually get that sale, well, now you need um, to implement. And even if your software is easy to turn on and get started with, enterprises have that process of, of you know, getting 
operations involved and, you know, they, they have their timeline for things. And so I think because I was on the sales side and always had all these people involved on the other side of things, once you signed a contract, you just wanted to make sure that everything went to bill. Um, but, you know, everybody was doing the next step. And in the early days, it was us. So we, I mean, anyway, you were doing everything. Yeah. I, I finally said, you know, marketing is so valuable to a company. And I think coming from the sales side early on, I just, there's always a battle between sales and marketing, but when you build a company from scratch, you realize that the marketing is is, is awesome. And I think about the companies that I used to sell for, I mean, they were just, they had the biggest brands. Well, that started with, you know, a lot of marketers. To, yes, to get that, right? Right. So yeah, there was a lot of things that I, you know, you think, you know, but you have no idea. Until so the marketing you- was a challenge in the beginning because people didn't know who you were and you didn't have right hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and a whole marketing team behind you. Right? right. So really you show up and it's like, Hey, it's me. Remember we met one time before. Yeah. Right. Doing this thing right. and you've got to bust through it. Right. Right. So that's a lot of work. I, so at what point did you decide that you couldn't run the company and do all the implementation <laughs> and the marketing and everything and, and start to think, gosh, I need to build a revenue team. I need to start and find some other people who can do some of these things. Right. So it was actually, um, I mean, we, we built the success team first. Um, and then we kept adding to the development team. My co-founder and I were selling, um, for a long time, just us because we, we, you know, we were going after these new markets. We were going after new industries where we wanted to learn the use cases inside and out and, and you know, really be close to the customer um, and, and the success of those customers. So it was us for a long time. Now we have a team um, that, and I think we just started hiring our team back at the end of last year. And everybody that is on our sales team has been in sales leadership or was a VP of sales, um, you know, prior to coming to Partner Tap. And they're people that we've known or that we've worked with. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited for this next phase, but I wanted to make sure, you know, our our system it has a network effect to it. So yeah. you sell the enterprise, they bring on their partners who can come on for free. And they also, a lot of those partners turn into your next sales opportunities. Mm, right. So, right. Because they may sell through partners as well. Right. 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 Yeah. They're connected in here. Exactly. They have their own ecosystems. So we wanted to make sure that that flywheel was going so fast that this team could come on and, um, quickly ramp to the point where now they need to lead teams. Yeah. Gosh. So hiring salespeople can be very challenging, but you 
it sounds like you found some great people. How did you do that? And you also mentioned, it sounds like they're a little overqualified almost, right? You said they're all, they've all been VPs of sales. Um, I don't know if they were sales leaders or just senior level salespeople, but tell us about how you found the right people and how you knew they were. The, I've, the right I've worked with them for a long time. So these were all people in my network that I've, I've known um, and, you know, that were high producers or leaders yeah. and, you know, they see the opportunity that's here and, you know, they're, they want to come, they want to build something that's going to be massive. So, and I, the other, the other piece to the sales part and why we waited so long was because my co-founder and I could sell, we, we wanted to spend more on our application and the development of our application. So it was always this trade-off. Yeah. Should we should we hire someone or should we hire in development? And I think we made the right decision, um, especially because we we're in the enterprise. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to build an enterprise grade product. And so yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you've got money to spend. You gotta figure out you know, what's the place, best place to do it. And since you both were well-versed in sales, it does make sense that you did that. But now in order to really scale the company, right. you've got to have more sellers and you and your partner have to be able to focus on the strategies that yeah. are going to drive the business versus right. the day-to-day, -day, right? Now, yeah. um, you'll always have a role in sales. I, I say this all the time. The CEO always has a role in sales, but that role changes as the company matures, right? And so now your company is at another maturation point where, you know, last year, late last year, um, you decided, okay, we're going to hire these people. You found the people that you knew. That's wonderful. They wanted to build something with you even, even better, right? So they've got that um, enthusiasm with you to do this, which is fantastic. So how do you see your role as CEO changing at this point? rather than doing all the day-to-day -day sales, what will you focus on now for sales? So Autumn really runs sales. So she's our chief revenue officer. Uh, she runs all sales. Right now I'm focused most on, you know, we, we now have a, a pretty large leadership team. So I'm focused on bringing that team together, getting us all focused on the priorities that we need that each discipline needs to be doing for this last half of the year. Um, and, you know, a lot of those people that have come in are new. So there's a lot of challenges. A lot of training, a lot of challenges. Yeah. Right. But everybody that we've hired is extremely tenured, um, you know, have, have, have been in very successful startup companies that gone to, um, that, that have gone public and, you know, so every, everybody is, is awesome and has, you know, a great, great intention, you know, in, in their discipline. Okay. Now it's just bringing us all together. Right. Cause it's only about three months that the team has kind of assembled in place where each, wow. each area has, you know, their, their own executive. Gotcha. Okay. So you've got this team in place. You've got a CRO who's 
really focused on sales so that you don't have to be as focused on sales, the CRO, and of course the new sellers that you hired who are very experienced. So when you do get involved in sales, what kinds of things are you doing? For example, you know, with prospects, when would they bring the CEO in or with a current customer in keeping in touch or maybe moving to the next level? How are they using you? So I, I've used all the time. People will pull me into large meetings or um, meetings where they just need help, um, where others can't, can't jump in. So always, always happy to jump on, on, on those types of calls. And then in, I'm, I'm heavily involved in, in, you know, our largest customers that are, you know, onboarding or, um, uh, you know, adding, adding their partner companies. So those two disciplines are, you know, like riding a bike for me. Right. Um, but I, I do think no matter how, you know, as, as partner tap really ascends and, and scales to really keep, keep that voice of the customer close, um, you know, those relationships are, are golden and, you know, you, you cannot, you cannot lose a customer, right? I mean, you need to know that that if, if somebody is on shaky ground, you know, that relationship can help pull things back in. Um, so yeah, I, I always think that I'll, I'll be close to, to all of our, all of our customers or our key customers. Yeah. And as the company grows bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's more and more customers, it won't be possible for you to touch all of them personally. Right. But there are many ways. And I think that sometimes as CEOs do lose sight of what their role is, right? And you mentioned, yeah, they pull me in for this. They pull me in for that. It sounds like they know how to make good use of your time. And when is the right time to bring you in for a customer or prospect. And I think that's an important thing. And very senior people will know that, but just for all of the listeners out there, all of you CEOs who are maybe getting pulled into things you shouldn't get pulled into, or maybe your sales team doesn't pull you in enough. This is something you can train your sales team to do. Your sales leader, if you have a CRO, a VP of sales or sales manager, you can work with them and your sales team to understand when are the best times to bring the CEO in and then how to properly prepare the CEO before they meet with the customer or prospect and what role you expect them to play. Right. So, I, I, you know, if you're not feeling like you're involved enough in sales, think about how you'd like to be involved in sales and with which customers or prospects and in what situations, and then really work with your sales leaders to train the sales team to know how to use the CEO because as uh, Cassandra is saying, it's just so important and you don't want to lose touch, right? Especially with your biggest or most prestigious customers, you want them to know that they can always check in with a CEO if they need to, right? Right. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, if you, if you're looking at your competitive landscape and, you know, you're going after some large deals head to head, I have heard several times that, you know, another person doesn't show up, a, a CEO doesn't show up. And it, it says a lot about your company. What do you really care about? Do you care about your customers? Yeah. You need to show up, I think. 
Well, when you are of this size, right? And mm -hmm. you're selling to companies that are 100 to 1000 times your size in revenues and in people, mm -hmm. right? Right. The CEO should show up and 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 mm -hmm. mitigate some of the risk that that large company has to take in buying from a smaller company who by the way is only 6 or 10 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Going to be around tomorrow if we buy this. So, I think the CEO can really do a lot in terms of risk mitigation if used properly by the sales team. Um, yeah, I, I just can't say enough about that. CEOs, you've got to help your sales team use you properly um, and position you properly, especially on these really big deals. Um, Cassandra, another thing that uh, CEOs can do to really help their companies, especially when they're smaller and growing like yours is, is to get out there and evangelize. Now, you've done something very special in that category. You started something called Fempire. So tell us about how you decided to do that and why you decided to put yourself out there in that way. So Fempire started back in August of last year, and we were headed to uh, an industry conference. And uh, we knew that the, the conference was comprised of, you know, a lot of companies that we really hadn't been on our radar. And so I said, you know, we should we should do a dinner um, where we bring we we bring all of the women leaders that that are going to be at this conference together, um, and we'll call it the Fempire Dinner because behind the scenes of Partner Tap, we always say that we're building a Fempire female empire, and so we we decided to do this dinner, and I thought, well, maybe only seven people will show up, but what. What turned out was we ended up having to buy out this restaurant in Miami and everybody was so in, engaged and, and had such an awesome experience um, that they said, you're going to continue this, right? And so month after month, we've just been bringing really powerful women together um, and one of the things that I always say at these dinners is that, you know, it's women, women, uh, you know, this isn't a women empowerment event that you're already empowered. So now we need to go use our power that we already have to go and mentor the next up and coming women to promote the next women leaders to catapult women further than we've ever gone before. And oh, buy from women owned companies too, right? Yeah. So it's vampire, the vampire community is amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's growing leaps and bounds. And, um, I, I'm just excited at all these conferences where they're very male dominated to get a room full of women together where, yeah, you can, you can, you can say what you want to say in that room. That's what I'll say. Yeah. And, and doing that is a lot of extra work, mm -hmm. <laughs> a bit of a labor of love. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's wonderful because, uh, in these male dominated industries, and unfortunately it is still that way and no offense to any of our wonderful male allies out there, but that is the case. So it's really lovely for us to get together and be able to talk and, and work together and learn and grow together. But, uh, do you find that it is driving business towards you also? Um, yes. Uh, Vampire is our second largest lead generation. Wow. 
Yeah. So this kind of evangelizing is really important. And I think so many companies out there today are still using outdated methods. You know, people are just sending tons of emails, making tons of cold calls and maybe spamming people on LinkedIn, unfortunately. And, you know, back in the day when, when I was young selling in the nineties, you could pick up the phone and people actually answered and you could have a great conversation. And there was no internet back then, or I know there probably was internet, but it wasn't widely used, you know, yet. And so there was really no way for them to find out about me or my company or, or what we could sell them. Right. So they had to pick up the phone and occasionally we would mail them something in the mail. Right. Uh, if you had a product catalog or we had some slicks that told a little bit about our company and what we, we sold. Right. But the, People just don't pick up the phone anymore and um, sending them email, ugh, like who wants another email in their box? Okay, it does work, but at a very, very, very small percent. And so being creative and evangelizing for your company in different ways, putting yourselves out there and, and leading and saying, you know, we are women business owners and we are gathering other women in this industry because it is male dominated. It sometimes feels pretty lonely. So we're going to put ourselves together. And it's not just a lot of extra work. It's worthwhile in many, many ways, and it becomes a source of revenue, not because you charge for vampire, but because mm-hmm. people get to know you quickly and they trust you and they love what you're doing. And so, of course, naturally, they're going to want to buy from you when they have the opportunity. So I really love that. Yes. I'm, our goal for Fempire is really to change the flow of capital capital to more women. And when we're at those dinners, we always say we want everybody networking together. And over the next two, two years, let's drive millions in revenue together. Yes. Right? So that's what it's about. I mean, at the core of who we are, it's about partnerships and referral networks and ecosystems and so the Fempire ecosystem is is awesome. Right. Why not walk your talk and build your own, right? I love it. I love right. it. What are some of the other ways you find yourself evangelizing for your company? What do you do on social media or like being on a podcast? What other right, kinds of things right. do you do to evangelize? So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, the other social platforms, I'm not, I'm not really out there. Um, but LinkedIn is is my most active space. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's the one area I think where I'm evangelizing from behind the computer screen. Yeah. I love LinkedIn for so many reasons. It is such a great ecosystem and it can be used so well for networking. If people would just stop selling on it, you know, right, right, right. Um, and of course, you know, the people that I affiliate with and, and you as well, I'm sure are more about sharing and caring and helping each other. And I, I do think that is just a phenomenal way to just build a tribe of people who want to be around you and learn from you, learn together, you learn from them. And then they're going to amplify your message so that the people who do need what you have just are naturally attracted to you. Right. Right. Well, I've been following you on LinkedIn for years. So, Oh my gosh. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) You have a lot of followers, Alice. I do. I do have a lot of followers. Um, I don't even know what the count is. It's well over 20,000 now, but it's kind of fun, you know? Um, That's why I like to do the podcast too, because I kind of can give a little back to everybody in another way, right? So you can give some information on LinkedIn, but in this way too, other CEOs, we chat together and we share so much with the CEOs who listen. And I think it's really helpful 
CEOs, sometimes I think they feel like they're on an island by themselves. You have a great co-founder, so I'm sure, you know, a little bit easier, but sometimes the two of you probably think, wow, you know, who can we talk to about this? And now that you've built a senior team, of course, it'll be a lot easier, but well, good. All right. So you've got how many salespeople now? We have six. Six. Wow. So you went from founder-led sales, the two of you co-founders going out doing all the selling to now having six sellers. That's a lot. You are probably hanging on to your hats because you're going to get ready to just zoom ahead now. We're still, we're still in hire mode. We're still in hire mode. <laughs> Hiring a few more. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. Well, that is fantastic. And then what's next? What's coming next to grow your sales? So like I said, you know, partner tap, it has that network effect. So every sale you're making, you know, has many more sales to it or companies to it. So um, what's in it for partner tap is really building out that uh, customer success team as more and more companies come on. But I think the future what, what I see is, you know, where we are the, the number one co-selling application. You know, we take it from the individual contributors that are co-selling with referral partners. And we also can handle channel teams that are now doing co-selling motions. So it's really interesting um, uh, how things have evolved, how the market has evolved. Um, you know, when I worked at Concur, Concur was one of the companies that was early to the cloud mm -hmm. and they did a lot of co-selling with partners. And when I started PartnerTap, I remember one of the leaders that I worked for for a long time said to me, you know, Cassandra, co-selling is, um, you know, it's just something we really do here at Concur. It's not everywhere. But fast forward six years, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, uh, every company we're talking to is how do we do, how do we co-sell? How do we do this? How do we do this motion? So it's exciting. And, and I, I think the future of sales is, is going to be with partners. It's, it's a complicated, right? It's a complicated motion. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with you that uh, selling with partners is the way to go, whether they are official, you know, resellers or mm -hmm. whether they're partners and you co-sell together or whether they introduce you and then, you know, whatever way you want to set that up. And there's so many ways to do it. So, so choose the one that's best for you. But if you're only using a direct, you know, method now to sell, please consider uh, selling through a channel or partners of some type, because I do believe it is the future. It's going to make such a huge difference. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on one thing you said earlier, and I, I almost forgot. You mentioned customer success a couple of times. First, earlier in the conversation, you said, well, the first roles we hired were customer success. And That's I thought, oh, genius. You know, and I have heard this before from some other smart CEOs, um, getting customer success in place. And I've heard you mention it a few other times. Uh, one of the things that I think investors are realizing for all of these companies they've invested in and, and CEOs and co-founders who don't have investors alike are recognizing that it's no longer enough to say, oh, we have a hundred customers or we have a thousands of customers, right? 
we need to measure successful customers. So mm -hmm. we sold it to them. Have yeah. they been successful using it? Now you have a user adoption issue, right? And like you said, with these bigger companies, there's a lot of steps they've got to go through before they're going to have everybody on the system, even if it's easy to turn on, like you mentioned, right? So yes, it's easy to turn on, but we have these other things that we have to do. So customer success being so important and really truly meaning that we work through until the customer is successful using our product. Why? Well, let's just take a, a lesson from the SaaS world. I'm selling you 1500 seats. You only use a hundred of them. How much longer are you going to keep renewing 1500 seats? User adoption is low across the board. And of course it is. By human nature, it would be. So we have to put so many things in place to make sure that there is high user adoption and our customers are successful. So just before we part ways, share a little bit about how you're doing that. So our, our customer success team is, um, it's, it's such a critical component. And I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, we're just, obsessed with our customers. So the, the, the people that we've hired in, um, like we've recently hired somebody that ha actually had ran channels before, and he is, is now in, in our in, in deep with some of our largest customers. So I think, you know, for, for the large enterprises, for the mid market, it's, you want to get that customer adoption, you need somebody that really can understand your product and the business outcomes of the product. Yes. So how do we really get the plan together to roll this out and then get the outcomes that we set out to get? And if we're not getting those outcomes, you know, what do we need to tweak and change? So Yes, our customer success team is so important, and these people are very tenured that work at, at PartnerTap. Um, and I hope that it's always something that sets us apart from every one of our competitors. Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it needs to be. And we do have to recognize that once we have sold the product, onboarded everyone, that's not the end, right? We now have to make sure they get the user adoption that they need. And they go through cycles too. So maybe they have new sellers. We have to go back and retrain their new sellers, their new partner managers, mm -hmm. you know, their new channel managers. So it is ongoing and they should never feel like they're out there on their own, right? Um, and plus yeah. you're going to roll out new features and remind them of features that they may not be using. And people just simply don't learn everything in one big right. information, right? They right. need it spread out over time. Yeah. And I think we are learning lots of lessons about customer success uh, and making successful customers so that lots of things, great things happen, right? They buy more from us. Um, they do better. They, they increase in size and they grow and their revenue continues to flow fantastic, right? They tell other people about us and then those people come and it, and it does kind of create its own ecosystem when we have successful customers. So that's another ecosystem you can build if you do, if you do it absolutely, well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges right now for any company is there's 
there's, you know, layoffs going on in the market. And so any product that's deployed today could have a different champion tomorrow. That's right. Um, so those relationships inside of your, you know, accounts are, are critical because who, who's going to own this renewal next year or next month or three months from now, right? Um, or when the layoffs happen, you've got to go find these people. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's very difficult. And, and I think the more tenured the team is on the success side, the better outcomes you're going to have in, in a down market. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Cassandra, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing how you grew sales at your company at PartnerTap. I think it's just an amazing tool. I want to learn more and more about it. And I, I've already started being part of your ecosystem. I've told people about it and uh, I can't wait to see it in use with some of them. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Alice. And you're you got to come to Fempire one of these days. Yes, I definitely will. Absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh, and tell people how they can find you. I almost almost forgot. So you can find me on LinkedIn um, under Cassandra Golston, and you can also find uh, my company online, PartnerTap.com. Fantastic. And check out Fempire. Um, Cassandra's posting about that online as well. So you can see when the next event is. All right. Well, have a terrific rest of your day. Thanks, Alice. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and we'll see you next week.